Welcome back to the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast for all things entertainment, crossover with all things pop culture, meaning video games, sports, TV, movies, music, all fair game, all topics on this podcast. This week I've got discussion on the ACM Awards that took place this past Sunday night, a sequel series on the way from How I Met Your Mother, a crazy fake double eviction week in the Big Brother Canada 9 house, and more on this week's episode of the podcast. News broke this week that we are getting a sequel TV series to How I Met Your Mother. It is going to involve Hilary Duff playing in the starring role of this sequel series. Of course, How I Met Your Mother ran for nine seasons on CBS from 2005 to 2014. Super popular, one of the most popular sitcoms of that era. The ending was very polarizing. It's uh, there's a lot of lot of feelings on uh, on that finale, including myself. I have my feelings. I'll get into that in a second. But so, what's going to be happening with this uh, with this sequel series? The show's going to be called How I Met Your Father. It is going to be on Hulu. Hulu is the one that has picked this up. The story is going to center around Sophie, who is played by Hilary Duff. She's going to be telling her son how she met her father. And the story is going to set us back in 2021, where her and her friends are, of course, navigating the dating waters. So it's very, very similar kind of feel, you know, to the original, to the original show. Just going to be on the flip side, where we're going to have a female lead character telling, you know, how I met your father. So it's going to be executive produced by Isaac Aptiker and Elizabeth Berger, who are the showrunners for This Is Us. It is also the original How I Met Your Mother creators, Carter Bays and Craig Thomas. They are going to be on board as executive producers. Hilary Duff is going to produce and also star, of course. So, I don't know. This is I'm definitely going to check this out. I think this is going to be fun to watch. I'm I'm definitely in when this when this goes, I'm going to watch this. You know, of course, remember that there, this tried to get off the ground back in 2013, like right after the show, you know, ended. They were already talking about that they were going to launch a spin-off and it was going to be called How I Met Your Dad, and CBS actually ordered a pilot of that back in 2013. And ultimately, they did not pick it up and didn't go. But at the time, I just, it, the timing was not right then. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking, like from a, from like a network perspective. I don't know what their perspective on that. As a fan that had just really been burned by the, the final season of How I Met Your Mother, I didn't want to watch another show. I remember when they announced that they had picked that up. Well, not picked it up, but they had ordered the pilot of it. I was like, yeah, I, I really have no desire to watch watch another one. Like, there was no chance that I was going to watch it because I was just so, like, put off by the final season of How I Met Your Mother because it, it's, it's like we had built and built and built to that final season. Like, we had, we had met the mother... And she was great. The character was great. Everybody loved her. The actress they got to play her, she was awesome. And we just derailed completely off of that. And we barely got anything of her in the final season. And of course, we got the ending of that. And it just really turned off a lot of people. And I heard somebody, uh, somebody on Twitter this week was talking about that they wondered if that show would have benefited from being shorter to where because that show ran for nine seasons, they had to continue to stretch that story out. And that they wondered if the show had been shorter and not as many seasons where they kind of could kind of get a plan for where they, although they had a plan, they knew where they were going. Like from everything I've heard ever since the finale aired, 
that the creators, that the way that show ended was the way that they had that thing planned to end from the very beginning. That, that was the plan. That was it. That's where they were going. And that was an interesting debate. If, if that show had been shorter and they hadn't had as much seasons in the middle to fill to get to that perspective of what that finale was going to be, would it have been better? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That was, that was an interesting debate that got brought up, but I did not like the final season. Like whenever, <laughs> whenever somebody tells me that they're watching it or they're rewatching it, especially the ones that are like, Hey, I'm watching the show. I'm like, skip the final season. Because <laughs> like, I just, I didn't like it. I did not like how it ended. And I'm somebody that really, it takes a lot for me to not like something. It really takes me a lot for me to just completely turn off on something. But that did. Because I watched that finale and it was frustrating. It was so frustrating. And that final season was so frustrating because... Like I said, I like that actress. I like that character. She was, for me, she was everything I wanted the build of this character to be. That everything, the groundwork that had been laid to that point, I was just like, oh my goodness, she is great. She's awesome for Ted. I was like, she is everything I have wanted for her to be for Ted. And they derailed the whole thing. I was just like, what in the world is going on? I think I remember saying that actually as the finale was going on. And I, I think I said that several times as I was watching a finale, just like voicing out what is going on? <laughs> what is this? You know? So I think if they had done this in 2013, I just, I don't think this would have been successful. If this, that, you know, the pilot they got ordered back in 2013, if they had launched this right off the original show, I, I think it would have failed just because you had such a base of fans. You would have had your fans that would have slid over that are just, you know, the diehards. Yeah, we're in, we're going to watch whatever. But I think you had such a base of fans like myself that's like, no, I'm, I'm not watching <laughs> anymore. Like, I, I can't, after that, I can't watch. And I just think it would have failed. I really do. I could have seen it maybe doing one season or something. I don't know. I just, I don't see it reaching the popularity of the original. I think the audience would have dropped. With it now being, I mean, goodness, we're in 2021. We're almost 10 years out you know, since that pilot was picked up. And I mean, we're what, 2014, we're like seven years out since the finale aired. I think enough time has passed to maybe kind of heal that or at least look past. I don't know if it, there's some that are never going to heal <laughs> from that. There are some people that are mad over that finale. And I think enough time has passed to where people will give it a chance. If you had fans that were just like, oh, you know, I think enough time has passed to where they're like, oh, you know what? I'm, I love that show. I'll check it out. I'm one of those. I think I think this is going to be fun. I think Hilary Duff is going to be awesome in this role. And I want to see this. And of course, this is... You know, now Hillary Duff is pairing up here with, you know, she's got a project on Hulu. You know, last year when the Lizzie McGuire thing happened where they were rebooting that on CBS, or CBS, on Disney Plus, and they were going to do that, and they were shooting the show and everything, and it was a go, and then Disney pushed back because Hillary was wanting it to be more of an adult version of Lizzie McGuire, where she's just like, she didn't want it to be like, hey, here's the kid Lizzie McGuire. You know, she wanted it to be like, here's what Lizzie is up to in her 20s, you know. And Disney pushed back on it. And ultimately, the clash over what they want, each side wanted the show to be got the whole thing shut down. Hillary Duff at one point was actually like, she was voicing that she wanted to push it over to Hulu to where maybe we could move this over to Hulu and get it going over there where it could be an adult version of Lizzie McGuire. And of course that didn't go anywhere either. 
But, you know, even back last year, she was, you know, trying to maneuver, trying to get that project over to Hulu. So here we are in 2021, and she's got a project on Hulu. So this was a very cool story that came out this week. I'm, I'm going to watch this. There's no news yet on when it'll launch or anything. I know Hillary Duff was uh, on her social media earlier this week. She's like, yay, the news is finally out. I'm so excited, you know, and she was really pumped about this project. So I'm just so thrilled that the news is out to where she can actually talk about it now. But there's no no news yet on when this is going to go. We just know it's going to be on Hulu. They're the ones that have ordered this series. So it will be How I Met Your Father. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm ready to check this out. I am going to be in to watch this. Roku has announced that they are getting ready to roll out their Quibi programming. If you're not familiar with Quibi, this was a video app that launched last year. This was something to where they were looking to roll out programming, but do it in short video form and also make it to where they wanted you to watch these things basically on your phone. You know, they wanted you to watch these things on your phone and watch these short videos, something like a, they were looking to do like an on the go kind of thing where it's just like, if you're sitting around waiting on something, you just want to watch something real short to fill some time, you could do this. And it just, it didn't go. It just, it didn't go. And of course it launched in 2020 when, you know, people are glued to their TVs and they were at home, you know, they weren't on the go. People are at home. So it was like a concept that was being tried that was, I don't know of how that was going to go anyway. It just didn't feel like that was going to be something that was going to take off. And then it just ended up with really even worse timing of it launching during the pandemic where nobody's on the go and everybody's at home. So Quibi, of course, didn't, didn't go. And Roku has acquired the all the programming. They acquired the whole catalog of the Quibi programming, they are going to be rolling this out here soon. They didn't give a date on when they're going to be doing it. But the Quibi catalog is going to be changed as far as naming. They're going to be calling it Roku Originals. That is going to be how this is going to roll out on the Roku channel here in the near future. Of course, there's a lot of different programming that they had that sports, like movies, TVs, a lot of different stuff. I know WWE had a... There was a show uh, on there that they had produced on there that was going to be, I can't remember what it was called. Was it Fight Like a Girl? Is that the name of it? I can't remember. I think it was that. Towards like an inspirational kind of kind of show where you've got different uh, WWE superstars that were like talking about, you know, their stories and their and their backgrounds and their struggles. And then you'd have like somebody now that's going through it, you know, and and it's just kind of like a relatable kind of thing where it's like, hey, I've been through this and, you know, give an inspiration to, you know, this person that they run into and they kind of talk about that. I haven't seen it. That's what I understood what the concept is going to be. But there was uh, just a lot of content that uh, Quibi had produced. And, you know, that thing went down quick. <laughs> I mean, Quibi just did not last. It did not last. But uh, it, there was a lot of different programming because I did hear of a lot of things that they launched and it did sound interesting, you know, that there was a lot of content I wouldn't have minded watching. So, you know, with Roku now launching it, of course, I don't want to watch stuff on my phone. I really try not to watch stuff on my phone. I want to watch it, you know, on my TV. So with Roku picking this up. I think this is going to be something that I'll check out. I'm going to scroll through that whenever they do launch this. I'll talk about this, you know, whenever we get to time, whenever they announce a date for this, I'll uh, I'll discuss it then. But yeah, I'm definitely when this launches, I'm going to check this out on the Roku channel and see, you know, what all's on there cuz there's a lot of good content and, you know, that the Quibi thing just did not fly it just did not work i just i don't know the concept of it just seemed i know what they were going for and they were 
you know, it was it was an attempt, you know, it was an attempt. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to checking this out. The ACM Awards took place this past Sunday night on CBS, and again, it was just like last year, where they took place from three different venues in Nashville, being between the Grand Ole Opry House, the Ryman Auditorium, and the Bluebird Cafe. And also, it wasn't, they expanded from last year, because last year they just stuck on those three venues. This year we had some like on location performances that were very cool with like Little Big Town. They performed on Broadway. They had cleared out Broadway. Of course, they were down a member too. Uh, Philip Sweet uh, introduced Little Big Town and he announced that he had tested positive for COVID 19 and was in quarantine. It's like, oh my goodness. And so he introduced his bandmates, you know, and and there was a pretty funny moment during that performance, as far as for me watching, as you know, they had Broadway cleared and they're performing on Broadway, walking up Broadway performing, and suddenly in the shot, there's like a person standing over on the sidewalk, and I looked over, I was like, who is this random person just standing on the side of the road here, and then... As they pull the shot out a little more, it's a cardboard stand-up of Philip over on the side. That was pretty clever. I thought that was really clever that they put that there. That was pretty funny. I laughed at that because when they pulled back with that shot, I was like, who is this random person that's just standing awkwardly like looking at the, toward the camera here? And then realized that it was a cardboard stand-up of him. So that was a good way to uh, to get him back in. And, uh, you know, hopefully everything goes well, you know, with his uh, COVID recovery. It was a bummer to hear. Of course, Luke Bryan, he's also tested positive. He accepted his award for Entertainer of the Year. He actually accepted that as he's in quarantine as well. So he accepted that over video, you know, over Zoom or whatever. And it was very interesting how they did with like doing the awards and everything and how because last year I think they kept everybody backstage I don't even think that of course they didn't set anybody out in the audience like even like the nominees where they usually sit out there they didn't do any of that last year this year they're in the Opry House they had whatever they would do like an award they would spread everybody out in the pews there at the Opry House and they had like maybe the first three or four rows and they just had everybody just kind of spread apart, all masked, you know, kind of separated. And it was just such a bizarre visual, you know, to where it's like, this is normal, but it's not normal to where they're sitting out there like they normally would, you know, where you see the nominees out in the first few rows but the rest of the the rest of it's empty. It was so surreal just to kind of watch, you know, to where everybody's just kind of scattered out, you know, and then when they would win, they'd get up and it looked completely normal without the background around it of like a crowd or their families or, you know, whoever else fills those first few sections in. So but, you know, I, it's, I really think the ACM Awards do a great job. I've said this over and over on this podcast. That I think the ACM Awards have done the best job of any award show that I've watched during the pandemic as far as making something produce that looks good on TV, you know, tries to make it, as entertaining as possible as you can in this current climate, you know, of where you can't have crowds, you know, it's, and I just really feel like they have really shined in picking these three venues and just making it look so great. And the differences between the lighting looks so cool at the Opry house with how they've got that. They actually had a really cool uh, deal going there to where there were people up in the balcony 
And they announced at the beginning that the ones up in the balcony were all medical workers from Vanderbilt that they had brought there as like a thank you and a tribute to, you know, thank you for what you have done in this last year. And we want to reward you with being here, you know, and that was a really cool thing. And they were all just kind of space spread out, spaced apart up there on the balcony. And they got to sit up there and enjoy the show. And that was really cool. I was really glad they did that. The show was hosted by Mickey Guyton and Keith Urban. They were both really great. Mickey Guyton, she uh, she had a performance on the show that was just awesome, performing Hold On. She was incredible. Just such a talent. She is such a talent. Um, favorite performances? Of course, I'm going to go Carrie Underwood with her medley of My Savior. Just awesome. That was really, really awesome. And... Lady A, with a really cool surprise, is they performed by the riverfront in Nashville. Because I figured everything was, you know, going to be indoors and everything was going to be spread in these particular venues. And all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, let's go outside to the riverfront for Lady A. And they perf- they're performing under, I think it was the walking bridge. I think that's the walking bridge that they were underneath there in Nashville, right there by the riverfront with the Nashville downtown skyline in the background. It was such a cool visual. That that was just an awesome performance. I really loved that a lot. So let's go over the award winners of this. Let's start with Music Event of the Year. That went to I Hope You're Happy Now, Carly Pierce and Lee Bryce. That's... Uh, not a surprise. Carly Pierce and Lee Bryce, especially Carly Pierce, she's had her a year. <laughs> she's had a really great year. Worldwide Beautiful by Kane Brown went to, that was for video of the year. Song of the Year, The Bones, Maren Morris took home that with her incredible riding crew that she's got around her. Single of the Year, I Hope You're Happy Now, Carly Pierce and Lee Bryce. Album of the Year went to Chris Stapleton, Starting Over. New Male Artist of the Year went to Jimmy Allen. New Female Artist of the Year went to Gabby Barrett. That was one, I spoke about that last week when I was talking about the nominees. I figured that would probably be Gabby Barrett because she's she's all over country radio, but she's all over pop radio. Like, you hear her music crossing over, so she is pulling two different two different kinds of radio there she's pulling country radio and she's pulling the pop side of radio too so i figured that was probably going to be her award to win there group of the year went to old dominion duo of the year went to dan and shay male artist of the year went to thomas rett female artist of the year went to Marin morris this was a really stacked category here. Of course, I'm going to say, where was Carrie Underwood in this category? I will say that because I'm a Carrie Underwood fan and I don't understand why she wasn't in this category, but, you know. Uh, Female Artist of the Year is a loaded category with Kelsey Ballerini, Miranda Lambert, Ashley McBride, Maren Morris, Carly Pierce. And to me, I felt like it was probably between Maren Morris and Carly Pierce, because again, Carly Pierce has just had such an incredible year, as has Maren Morris. And I really felt like it was going to be between those two. And when they were announcing, I kept going back and forth. It's like, no, I think it's Carly. Uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be Maren. And I think I settled on Carly, and then they went with Maren. (laughs) Maren Morris, your female artist of the year. And, of course, as I already said, Entertainer of the Year went to Luke Bryan. And, yeah, it was it was a very fun award show. I really thought they did a great job of producing this. Um, like I said, it's it's just been just the most, like, visually appealing award show that I've watched in the pandemic era. Both, both years, 2020 and 2021. Of course, this show, I believe this show was set to take place in Vegas. I know that's right, but my brain's trying to make that wrong. <laughs> but I know it's Vegas. That was originally where the show is, takes place is in Vegas. So, yeah, it was it was very cool. I'm, I'm a big fan of what they have done with the ACMs and just how they 
have made something that's been hard for these award shows to make these things appealing and make them make them make you want to watch them you know and they have done it they because it's like you'll have the Grand Ole Opry House where it looks really cool and it's the volume's turned up there and the same with the Ryman. And then you'll cut to the Bluebird Cafe that's just very low-key and laid back, like almost an acoustic-type setting, which is what the Bluebird Cafe is. You know, that's that's way, uh, that's way that venue is. You know, you walk in there and there's people just sitting down and they're, and they're performing, you know? So, yeah, very, very cool. I've been talking about how I've been behind on my CW shows, and I finally got going on Supergirl. I started watching uh, this current season of Supergirl last night. I really like that season premiere. Of course, this is going to be the final season of the show, as they've announced that this will wrap up at the end of this current season. And I really like the first episode. I mean, they rolled... It seemed like... uh, with the Flash this season, I don't know. It was kind of a different feel a little bit with that one. It seemed like uh, the Flash season premiere was more of a was more of a slower paced like season premiere with how they uh, rolled in from last season's season finale, Supergirl. It just felt like we just rolled full force, you know, where uh, it basically kind of felt like a two parter, you know, with uh, how the season premiere felt you know, coming off of last season's uh, season finale. And of course we've got Lex Luthor like trying to, he's super powering himself, you know, into a God here and trying to take over the world. Actually, he's trying to save the world as we know, we know how that goes to where Lex is trying to save the world from, from evil, but he's actually the evil. (laughs) And there's actually one John Cryer, as Lex on this show. He is so good in this role. Like he's so good at being like just the super villain, just so cold, but yet he's got those those lines and then he's just got such the ridiculous over the top silliness show you know, that he does. There's the one scene in this premiere they had one scene that was just one of the best scenes of Lex that I have seen in this show to where we had the big scene of you know the big battle in the fortress between Lex and Supergirl and it just looks like he's he's killed Supergirl you know he's he's accomplished what he set out to do his his main goal of killing her has come true and we come back from commercial and we are the champions is playing by Queen in the background and you just have this over-the-top silliness of Lex where he's singing to the song and he's doing all these action things where he's like shooting things and throwing things and he's just doing this silly, like, I have done it all. I am the champion. And he's singing to the song. It was so good. I was rolling. John Cryer, he is so great in this role. It's so funny. And just a really good premiere here of course we got the twist of you know finally the team coming together where you had both sides trying to outsmart the other and we had Lena you know where she's trying to take out her brother and they do zap all his strength away from him they zap they zap away his superpowers but in the process Kara is sent to the phantom zone and we don't know where she ended up but it did not look very good for our hero. Is uh, in the Phantom Zone at the end of the episode when they cut to her, she is being surrounded by people that don't look like they have the best of intentions for her. So we had that going on, and then there was, of course, the great moment to where uh, <laughs> where uh, Lex is all his power is gone. He's he's completely vulnerable, and his uh he's talking his trash is like well you know what i know who she is i know who she is i'm going to expose i'm going to expose her identity and there's nothing you can do about it so blah you know and then up comes lena his sister and just punches him right in the face <laughs> and lays him down puts him on the ground and uh 
And then Lena looks over at Alex and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to do that? And Alex is like, no, family first, <laughs> you know, go for it. But of course we see the moment too, to where playing off of that to where Lena pops in there, you know, with her mom and Lex in the jail and wipes their, wipes their memories to where now they don't know, they don't know Supergirl's identity. So that's not even an option now. So and we get the moments of, you know, with Brainy to where all of last season he was he was on the wrong side to where everybody had thought, hey, he's turned on us. Now he's working with Lex to where, of course, you know, you had the moment of where he was told, hey, to save the world, you're going to have to turn on your friends and work with Lex because that's the only way you have to get on the inside to where you know what Lex has going on, and to where his allies thought, Brainy's turned on us, what's happened? And, you know, of course, Brainy, we thought Brainy was gone. There was He was in deep peril as the season ended last, last time. So we got right back into that with the season premiere, and Brainy survived, and all is good. You know, of course, now the story is going to be to where, like with Dreamer, you know, where she was talking about how could you have done this to us and why didn't you tell us? And, of course, he's like, I had to. This was, this was the only way, but I'm so sorry. I'm going to make this up to you. So we're going to be on the, like, the, the Dreamer. We're going to be on the brainy apology train here. You know, this is the way that the this is probably going to go. We're going to be on the rails for this apology train here for a little bit. And yeah, but I really liked the season premiere. It had a lot of good stuff. And yeah, I mean, they just jumped full force into the season premiere. It felt like a major two-parter with uh, what's going on. So definitely a good start for this final season of Supergirl. I'm happy to be finally rolling on my CW shows. Just had so many things I've been watching that I've gotten behind. So I'm up and going and enjoying it. So let's get into this crazy week that has been Big Brother Canada 9. <laughs> I don't even really know how to go into a lot of this because there's so much crazy going on. Taryn Armstrong of RHAP has called this the worst strategical week in the history of Big Brother North America. <laughs> That's how he described this week. And of course, he's been doing his live feed updates every morning. And he's losing his mind. <laughs> this week, he has, been, he has been losing his mind. Covering just the crazy that's been going on. He at one point said that basically nobody has done anything this week that helped them. He was pointing out how every single player left in this game this week had done something to hurt their game every single one of them and he called it the worst strategical <laughs> week in the history of big brother north america which is quite the statement coming from him so i'm just going to try to cover this of course we have the fake double eviction that is the big twist of the week when we went off the air last week, we had Tara as HOH, and we had the reveal that we're going to have a fake double eviction, which means, you know, we're going to get later on in the week, we're going to get a week ahead, there's going to be the first eviction, then they're going to tell the house there's a double eviction, and... You know, you'll have the double eviction, and then by the end, it's going to be a fake, and the two that were evicted on the same night will compete against one another with one of them coming back into the house. This is being kept a secret from the house. So let's go back in time here. Tara is your HOH. She nominates Beth and Jed. Not surprising. She has been, she's been ready to go at that trio you have to take a shot at that trio. You have to break that up. I said that over and over last week. That's what all of us have been saying. It's not rocket science. You have a power trio 
you've got to break that thing up. You have to break that up. So, here's where things get really crazy. So, we have, they're nominated. As we get to the veto, we have the veto competition. Jed wins the power veto. So, the logical thing you would think would be, okay, take, Jed takes himself off the block. Tara puts up a tie in his place where you still get rid of one of the trio. That's logical. That's not at all what happens. So Kiefer starts pitching an idea of what if we try to get Jed to use the veto on Beth? And this seems to be the plan that tries to to get some traction here. And they pitch it to Tara. You know, if he tried to convince Jed to use the veto on Beth and then put Braden up as the replacement. This makes no sense. This makes no sense. So this all gets back to the trio. They all discuss it. We get to the veto ceremony. Jetson uses the power of veto on Beth. Not on himself. On Beth. He takes his showmance off the block and saves her. And Braden goes up as the replacement. Insane. And what's even amazing, too, is when Tara pitches this to Braden about how, how she's what she's wanting to do and ask him, would you be comfortable going on a block? And he's like, yeah, sure, that's, that's fine. No, that's never the answer. You never answer, yeah, sure, I'm comfortable going on a block where I could be evicted from the house. That's never the answer that you give. You always say no. That's always the answer. And what's crazy is the episode starts tonight and, you know, we go back and Tara and goes into the room with Brayden and they're hugging and celebrating. I'm like, what are you doing hugging and celebrating with her when she just put you on the block? You know, it's it's been a crazy week, y'all. So, so from here, we get Brayden where he's... Of course, I'm going to recap the episode because this is—it's so hard to even describe what all is going on. So I'm going to recap what was seen on the episode tonight because the feeds have just been insane this week. So Braden on the episode tonight, we're seeing him planting seeds into Beth's head of telling her this would be a big resume move for you if you voted Jed out. And in the DR, Braden is saying that he's doing this because. And we know this too. Beth has a major chip on her shoulder about aligned with these boys with Ty and Jed. You know, that's what she's always like, my boys, my boys, you know, and and all that. And she is very aware that people are seeing her as playing their game. She has said this off and on all season long. So Braden says that in the DR, I'm doing this to basically plant those seeds and get in her head a little more to where taking Jed out would be a good resume move for her. We see a conversation with Beth to where she is concerned. She's seeing Ty and Braden working together a lot, and she's concerned about them while working together. I mean, getting closer. They're talking a lot. They're bonding. She's afraid that they're going to start working together, and she is getting concerned about that. And Beth and Ty talk, and they say, if Jed stays, we can't win. If he sticks around, he's going to win this game. And Beth tells Jed that, so they're, they're talking about all this, and they're trying to figure this out on what to do. And they're toying with voting Jed out and trying to get him out of this game. So Beth goes to... Jed to basically kind of feel him out on how he's feeling and Ty's like oh I, th- I think I'm good you know everything seems like it's good Beth says yeah Ty's lying to you about keeping you and Ty and Jed's just like what you know what's going on 
So she starts to tell the story of the conversation that they just had with her and Ty saying, if you stay, we can't win. If like you could win everything from here, all the competitions and we can't do anything about it. So she leaves and this is, this is kind of Beth angling around too, to where she's going over there and telling this, (laughs) trying to kind of get herself in a better position here. So, of course, Jed, after she leaves the room, Jed is just regretting his veto decision now. Jed goes back to Ty and is talking to him. And he does this without outing that Beth had told him that Ty is thinking about doing this, about cutting him. And Jed's just in tears saying that he's worried about going home and, you know, for trying to save them. And Ty says, you were loyal to us and now we're, we're going to be... In, the loyal to you, and we're going to do the same for you. So Ty is telling Jed, and this is what Ty's saying in the DR, Ty's telling Jed everything he wants to hear, but he's worried about the end game and worried about going up against Jed here at the end, feeling that he could win. Beth is really struggling over this decision to where, you know, in the DR, she says that she she wasn't expecting to truly love someone in this house, which here's another weird thing that happened this week on the feeds. They did not show it on the show. At one point this week, and this is when the the train's moving on that Jed's going to get evicted here, that they're looking to turn on him. Now, again, Jed and Beth have been a showmance for a while. Probably a week ago. I don't know. Probably, you know, recent memory. Um, Jed tells Beth that he thinks he loves her. And so here we are a few days ago, Beth and Jed are talking in the room and Beth says, you know what? If things don't work out between us, I've got a friend that would be perfect for you. What? (laughs) And Jed is like, you could see like the look on his face is him trying to process this. And he's like, okay. Yeah. And she's just rattling off all these things about her. Yeah. She's this, she's that. Oh, you would love her. She's incredible. She'd be so perfect for you. And the whole time Jed's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She sounds great. Yeah. And you could see it all over his face that he's trying to register this. And it's like, so this is the girl that you just told that you think you love her. You just saved her from the block, took her off, sacrificed your own game. And she's basically kind of breaking up with you here without actually saying the words. It's like if a girl comes up to you and says, I got a friend that would be perfect for you, you know, probably not something that's going to go very well here. So Beth has a lot of like conversations here with Jed where she's trying to protect herself too, to where she's like, you know, if they, if they make the decision to vote you out, they may not tell me, they may not tell me on this. So that gets us to another like tearful moment here to where Beth, you know, after Jed leaves the room, Beth just is facing the wall just tearfully just like oh is this the wrong decision you know what what am I doing here is this the right thing to do with cutting Jed you know so that gets us to tonight's to what happened on the feeds this morning to where they told Jed what the deal was and that he he was going home and one thing that's been very strange and tonight on the in the episode with the DRs, Ty was showing more like remorse for this. On the feeds, he has shown no remorse. Like he has almost been robotic about that he's getting ready to cut like his best friend in this game, and he has no remorse over it. He's just like, well, okay, he's well, he's got to go. And there's been a little more of that that's been shown in the DR, so it's it was kind of nice to see some emotion from him. I'm still, it's confused a lot of people this week to where, 
you know, I heard Taron Armstrong talking about this to where he was just like, where, what made Ty suddenly flip here? Because he mentioned how this just seemingly kind of came out of nowhere and there was just no sign of this on the feeds. Like, what made Ty turn against Jed so hard and to where he doesn't even show any emotion over it? So they aired that footage of this meeting tonight on the show. So I'm sure that was a last minute squeeze to get this in this episode, but it was a very important thing. I watched it, you know, live before they cut the feeds. They cut the feeds there toward the end of it. You know, Jed's obviously just super disappointed here. And he says, you're going to throw everything away that I did for, for us, for money, you know, and, uh, He's saying, you know, I've, I've been loyal, I've been preaching loyalty, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like I did, I was doing this for us, for, we were to get us further. It was always about the loyalty of us, of this group, you know. And at the time, this is in the room as Jed, Ty, Beth, and Kiefer. So, and Kiefer kind of goes back at Jed here a little bit, says, and and uh, Kiefer's like, well, you've been preaching loyalty to everyone now. And, you know, Jed's like, yeah, I did. I, I have been loyal. And Kiefer goes, not me. Not when you put me on the block. You put me on the block. That wasn't being loyal. Loyalty ended when you put me on the block. It changed me in this game. And, you know, that kind of changed the tone of things, you know, and so, and Chad says to Ty, he says, it's scary with how well you manipulated me here to turn on me and get me voted out here. So, after Jed walks out of the room, Beth and Ty are hugging and just, you know, it's, it's a struggle here. So, we get to the vote time and it looks like Jed's going to be a goner. We have three people voting, which is Kiefer, Ty, and Beth. So, it's the, it's the, it's the extended trio, you know, it's the trio here with uh, Kiefer added, you know, the original Sunsetters Alliance. And they're struggling here to uh, do this vote. Kiefer goes in, he votes for Jed to be evicted. Ty votes to evict Jed. And when Jed Lee or when Ty leaves the, uh, the DR and he passes Beth in in the hallway to where she's coming to vote, they have a little bit of conversation to where I'm sure Beth was just like, are we doing this? Is this, are we, is this for sure what we're doing? Cause she kind of breaks down more when I guess she got the confirmation. And of course she steps into the DR and she's just in tears and she's like, I, I can't do this. I just, I can't do this. So we're waiting to hear what the vote's going to be. And she votes Jed. So of course she comes out of the DR sobbing so, yeah, Jed is out on a three to zero vote, and it's a bunch of tears in the living room. Beth walks him up to the upstairs to the door, walks him out, she hugs him, and she says, "We'll talk about everything when you know I'll explain everything that's happened here." When Jed walks out, there is somebody standing over to the right that is holding up a sign that says, "Shh." You're still in the game with an arrow pointed of where to go. That was pretty cool. That was a cool moment. And Jed, of course, his eyes just go wide. He's like, oh my goodness, okay. And he roams into the HOH room. And there's earphones sitting in there, like a headset kind of deal. And a note that he reads and he puts it on. So I'm assuming that was something that he put on to make sure he's not hearing anything going on in the rest of the house to uh, keep that a secret. So the house is now told that this is a double eviction night and that the HOH competition is getting ready to start. So this is a really weird HOH competition. It's a question, it's a question deal to where they're playing video of, of uh, moments from people in the house giving speeches over the season, and they're dubbing over different different words and different things that were not actually being said at the time. And it's just so weird. The whole audio 
is really strange. And there was one point to where, like, you would hear like like a no, and like groaning or something, where it almost sounded like somebody was like ruffling something, where it was like maybe they were ruffling a piece of paper or something. I thought they had turned the audio, like they had forgotten to turn the audio off on Ty, or I mean, up on Jed up in the HOH room. I was like, did they leave that on or something? I was like, what is that noise? And just the audio was so strange during this whole competition. It was very just weird, but I noticed that that train of sound that I was hearing just kept repeating. So I thought, okay, I guess they're intentionally doing this because it kept playing at the same time in the competition. It was just weird. It was just, it sounded like it was a like somebody had left the mic on up in the HOH room or something. It was very weird. So we get through this weird HOH competition. Ty wins it. Beth is right behind him on finishing. This gets us to the nominations. Here's where it gets really weird. Ty puts up Tara, expected, and Beth. He puts up Beth, and immediately I'm like, is Ty going to take out Jed and Beth on the same night? Like, are you kidding me? Because, you know, the thing is, it's like Ty has been so, like, cutthroat this week to where you just... It was just mean how he was acting, you know, and it's it's been so weird because it's like we feel so bad for Jed. And then but then this is Ty making such a big move. But when he did this, when he put Beth on the block, I was like, if he gets Beth evicted, give him the money. (laughs) So that's that's an incredible move. You just took out your two power players, turned on your alliance, which is dirty but it just gave you a huge plus in this game. So I just thought, if he does this, if he gets Jed and Beth out in the same night, just give him the money. Give him the show. It's it's over. Just He deserves the win. So we get to the veto competition. The veto was really weird. Like uh, They pre-produce these eviction episodes. Like They shoot the episodes earlier in the day and edit them. But it's like this competition was over so quickly. Like, all of a sudden, they were, like, doing this competition, and then suddenly it was just like, oh, it's it's over. And, I don't know, it was very strange. So, we get a winner. Braden wins Vito, and he is he just barely beats Beth. So, it's Stress City in that house now as we get to the, get to the speech here. Uh, the Vito, of course, is not used. Braden does not use the Vito, which, I don't know, it's... I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I don't guess Braden had a play there. Um, during the speeches, you know, uh, Tara's just kind of doing her normal, and Beth gets up and just throws Tara completely under the bus. She's done this. She's done that. She's done this. Blah blah blah. Keep me. <laughs> so we get to the vote, and the votes to evict Tara two zero. Kiefer and Braden both evict Tara, which I just thought, man, that just seemed like such a dumb move to me because you had a power player right there on the block that you could have taken out. I don't know why they didn't take her out. That just seemed like, why would you not take out Beth? You had her on the block. You could have taken her out right there. And... If you're Ty, I don't know what Ty's thinking is here on putting Beth on the block. Because I can't think Beth is very thrilled about this unless we miss something. I, no, that, that couldn't be. Not the way Beth was reacting. There's no way Beth was okay with that. Not the way she was reacting and stressing out there. There's no way that could have been all right. So why would you not take Beth out? That just seemed like such a dumb move because... Tara has nobody in this game. You know, Tara's on her own. Of course, she's she's been, well, she's been aligned with Kiefer, but Kiefer is aligned with the Sun, Sunsetters Alliance. So, I don't know. I, just, I think they really missed something there. So, Tara gets evicted. 
She walks out the door, turns to the right. There's the same person holding the sign. Shh. You're still in the game. So she goes to the HOH room, follows the arrows. And of course she gets in there and her and Jed see each other. And Tara just, you know, down knees on the floor and just starts just in immediate tears over what's just happened and everything. And, and she starts hugging on Jed and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what happened. And, you know, saying, saying, I have so much I have to tell you. I have so much to tell you. I'm so sorry. And, you know, and that's one thing that, uh, and I believe Tara's actually been telling Jed through, at times this week, I believe this has happened, that Tara had told Jed that this was the plan all week was to evict him. This wasn't something that just came up. This was the plan all week. So now we go back to the living room and the house is told the double eviction was a fake. And Beth immediately is like, oh, they're going to battle back. They're going to battle back and come back in here. So... We go off the air with Tara and Jed in a room getting ready to do the competition. And we don't get the competition. Instead, we get the news that there's going to be no live feeds until the episode airs on Monday. And it deflated everything. <laughs> like Everybody was just deflated because it's like now we are not going to know who won this until Monday, which is painful. It's very painful that we're not going to know what happened here because this was a great episode. There was so much drama here. This fake double eviction, I don't know if this would have worked on a normal week, but the fact that they turned on Jed and now they have booted him, his, his ultimate betrayal here Got, I hate even saying that word because it was such an annoying term on Big Brother 20, uh, uh, 22, whatever this last summer was in the U.S. I couldn't stand that term uh, because uh, it's a long story. Uh, it was annoying. And um, so now Jed has a real chance of coming back in here on a vengeance. So, man... I mean, this is this was great TV tonight. This was great TV. This was the most fun I have had watching a Big Brother episode in so long. This was awesome. I loved the twist, just the emotion of it, and and there's just so many possibilities. This Jed walking out and seeing that sign, and it's just after he's just been betrayed by his alliance and his best friends, he's like, my game's not over. I have a chance, and I can go in there and wreak havoc. And, you know, now we're going to get that to where, I mean, that's that's the storyline we need. We need Jed to win this competition and go back in there and go right back at him. That is what we have to have. It would be the best TV. The frustrating thing is, because even as I record this, probably right now, uh, whoever won that competition is already back in the house. And the feeds are going to be down for like four days. So we're not going to see any of that. You know, we're not going to see any of the fallout. And that's brutal. I, I just, I don't understand the decision making there with, because they had such a great episode tonight. And there's like, everybody's so pumped and excited and it's just like, okay, now we're going to throw a bucket of cold water on you. And now you just got to chill out and sit there and wait till Monday. And then, of course, when we see what happens on Monday, you know, we're going to be days out. When the feeds come back on, we're going to be days out from what happens in the aftermath. And who knows what's happened from there. Probably all the emotion and everything may be chilled out and cooled down. You know, we, it's, I don't know, it was just, I don't get that decision at all. I think Big Brother Canada really dropped the ball there when they had just such a hot episode tonight, because, man, it was good. It was good stuff. It was a lot of fun. This is the most I have enjoyed a Big Brother season 
U.S., Canada, anything in years. This has been really fun to watch. It's like they're they're playing. They're playing hard. You know, we've we've got some strong players here at the end. Did they have a really terrible week? Well, let me rephrase that because they really had a terrible week. This was horrible gameplay this week with like the decision making and everything that was going on. It was that was horrible. But we've got players that are going for it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. They're going for it. Are they making good decisions? No, but <laughs> but they're going for it. You know, that's the thing. So. We wait till Monday. You know, everything with Big Brother Canada 9 is just at a halt now. We don't know what happens until Monday. So, and that's brutal because tonight was great. Tonight was a great, great, fun episode that just had so much drama. Just, it was just good stuff. And now we wait till Monday. That is it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless. Have a great week.